How do we raise our children to be respectful in this increasingly disrespectful world? Why are our children more disrespectful and what role does self-esteem play in children being disrespectful? There is a difference between self-worth and self-esteem and knowing the difference can help us raise respectful, happier children. We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids. Hello and welcome back to Raising Christian Kids. I am so happy to have Jill Rigby Garner on the show today. She is the founder and chief visionary officer of the nonprofit Manners of the Heart, working to reawaken respect in our society for the sake of the next generation. Jill's parenting books have sold more than 100,000 copies, including the Gold Mom's Choice Award winner, Raising Respectful Children in a Disrespectful World. She is currently working on a groundbreaking new book for the parents of tomorrow's leaders called Strong Heart, Cultivating Humility, Respect, and Resiliency in Your Child. Known for her unending energy and outrageous passion, this wife, mother, and grandma to seven lives to change the world one heart at a time. She will fill your soul, ignite your passion, and convince you of your role in raising the next generation to become strong hearts who can withstand the onslaught of the world to become all God created them to be. Welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you, Leanne. It's great to be here. Well, we are happy to have you. I love raising respectful children in a disrespectful world. I read it. I could not put it down. It's one of my favorite books. I have probably 20 now, 20 top favorite, and I believe this is one of those. So could you share with us, what are some of the reasons children are more disrespectful than ever before? Well, to give a short answer to that question, it's because obviously part of it is the culture. We have such a tremendously disrespectful culture, social media, all the things that people would would obviously come to mind quickly. I certainly agree with all of that. Another part of the problem is that we've lowered our expectations of children in the last uh, two generations. And the reason for that is because we took hold of a ridiculous notion given to us that we needed uh, self-esteem and that we needed to instill self-esteem in our children. And um, underneath all of the other issues that people readily think of, that's the one I'm going to drive you home to, is underneath it all the troubles, it's this uh, notion of self-esteem, this theory this idea, this thought that we bought into. Yes. So that is a good segue into my next question. You state that children don't need self-esteem. Why don't children need self-esteem? That's right. Children don't need self-esteem. None of us do. And I'll I'll start with scripture. If you look for self-esteem in scripture, you're not going to find it unless you find it in the negative. Scripture never told us to esteem ourselves. Scripture teaches us to esteem others to esteem God, but never to esteem ourselves. In fact, scripture is very clear that we're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, right? Scripture is very clear that we're to put the needs of others ahead of our wants. Scripture is very clear that God is the one that is due honor and esteem. And as I said, and it's in the loving of others. It's not in the loving of ourselves, which is what the whole self-esteem movement forced on us. 
in the late 60s, early 70s is when we were told that we needed self-esteem. And that was going to be the answer to solve all the ills of society from the crazy 60s. A lot of folks listening probably only know what they've read about the 60s. Some of us around still remember them. But the 60s are not unlike today and with all of the divisiveness that we have today and all of the chaos and the confusion. It's heightened in a great degree today from what it was in the 60s because we've had two generations that have taken hold of this silly notion of self-esteem. And part of that, what happened with that, when it comes directly to parenting, when we were seeking to help build our child's self-esteem, which is the esteeming of self, right? We stopped saying no to our children. We stopped disciplining our children. We put their happiness ahead of their holiness. We put uh, making our children happy and content ahead of everything else. We made that the most important goal of our parenting, that suddenly we were to be the happiness makers for our children. And consequently, I mean, it doesn't take long to see the results of that very failed notion of self-esteem. That's a great point. If we were to put others first, as God intends us to do, God first, others next, and ourselves last, this world would look a lot different than what it looks. But that's what the devil, he wants us to just, you know, think that we are God. And it has gotten worse and worse. And I think that's why we find the mess that we're in today, don't you? Absolutely. Leanne, I'll take it all the way back to the garden. Self-esteem is no different than the pride of sin in the garden. The difference is we, we recognize that the sin of pride was bad, right? We recognize that in the garden, Eve fell for it. She thought she could be like God. She could disobey the rule God had given her, and she could be God. And there's a difference between self-worth and self-esteem, correct? Yes, very much so. That's always the first question that that comes up. Hands immediately go up in a parenting seminar because it, I mean, I'm just talking so completely countercultural and to everything, especially today's parents, because they've been raised in self-esteem. They don't know any different. They understand the young parents of today that were raised in self-esteem don't recognize that it was a theory, that it was an idea. They they take it to be gospel truth and that it's part of what we need as a human being to be a good person. So it's in this esteeming of self that that we lose the ability to see God. We actually get so lost. I call it the mirror of the window. I call it the mirror of self-esteem. We get lost in our mirror. If you think of holding a mirror in front of your face and you're holding the mirror, you look in the mirror, you can only see yourself, right? You can't see through the mirror. You can't see others. So you can't see others. You can't see others looking at you. When we put that mirror of self-esteem in our children's hands, they can't, they can't see and they can't see God through the mirror of self-esteem and they can't see others. Now we know the longer you look in the mirror, the worse things look, right? You get fixated on yourself when you stare in a mirror long enough. And so one of two things happen to children in the mirror of self-esteem. Either they become self-conceited or they become self-conscious, one or the other. It's not high and low self-esteem as we've been told for so long. It's self-esteem itself that's the wrong goal and that drives them deeper and deeper into themselves. And we know as Christians that There's no answers to be found inside, right? We know that we have troubled hearts. That's why we are in desperate need of of salvation, of a savior to save us from our troubled hearts. Yes. 
And I have to add that this is probably why it feeds into disrespect because they don't respect others because they respect themselves more than anybody or anyone. And they're just so self-centered that they've lost the way of how to be kind and loving and respectful to other people because they're always putting themselves first. In chapter three, could you briefly talk about enroll in the school of respect? Mm, Yes, yes. People who who read the book, the the most feedback we get is from chapter on the school of respect. People say, if I just had that chapter. (laughs) In that chapter, we talk about the four stages of child development, tots, tights, tweens, and teens. And each stage has two soul questions that children need answered. Those soul questions begin in an infancy in that birth to two to three years of age. When a baby is looking at you, they're wanting to know who's going to be in charge. Are you in charge? Because they certainly don't want to be right at that stage. They're looking for you. Are you the one that's going to be in charge? Do you love me enough to be in charge? Then as we move on to that next stage of development, one of those soul questions is, can I trust you? This is when we're trying to begin to build a child's security. And so they're looking at us, are you someone that I can that I can trust? And then as we move into that middle school, those middle school years, tumultuous middle school years, the one of those soul questions that's critically important is, are you real? If you want to look at this issue of respect, I'm really going to put the honest on, on parents' shoulders. This is one of the most important seasons. The most important season, I believe, is is birth to 10 years of age. Hands down, the most important season of a child's life. In that that next stage, that 10 to 13 stage, the criticalness of that stage, especially when we're thinking of this whole issue of building a child's self-respect and respectful attitude toward others, it's if you're real. And then that last stage of development, You've gone from one extreme to the other. I hope you're in charge. Now they're at that other end of the spectrum where they're looking to see, now can I be in charge? Is it my turn? And the hope is that we've done our job well enough that we can say, yes, you can be in charge. And then, of course, when they walk out the door with the keys in their hand, you're on your knees. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Those prayers of protection over them. But that, that gives you a little insight into that, the school of respect. Yeah, it's a great chapter. You have a lot of great info. There's just so much to to touch upon. You talk about gratefulness instead of greediness. But for time restraints that we have, I hope people get your book and read this. Lastly, what do you mean when you say set boundaries without setting walls? Mm. So in a nutshell, this is talking about non-negotiables. If every rule you have with a child is non-negotiable, you're going to set up a rebellion because you're raising your child in a prison, not in a home, right? But if everything in your home is negotiable, every rule is negotiable, well, you're going to set up a rebellion as well, because you haven't trained and taught your child the the rights and the wrongs and the good and the bad. You haven't instilled any boundaries. So let me give you just an example. Every home needs to have one or two non-negotiables. There must be one or two non-negotiables. I'll give you an example from my own my own life, raising, I have identical twin sons. And when those boys were 12 years old, one of my non-negotiables was PG-13. No PG-13 until you turn 13. And even then it was still my, my choice. And I got a phone call one night. The boys were at a spend the night party. And the mom said, Jill, I've got a problem with your boys. And I said, oh, I'm on my way. <laughs> I'll take care of this. What in the world? What's happened? She said, hold on, hold on. 
I put in a movie. They've been out playing in the yard. I put in a movie and we're getting ready to serve pizza. And your boys told me they weren't allowed to see the movie. I said, oh, they did. Well, <laughs> oh, what's the problem? And she said, well, Jill, you know, it's it, the movie's just fine. It's, it's no big deal. You know, they just really said they couldn't watch it. But the reason I'm bringing that story up is because as silly as this sounds, it was a critical moment in my parenting and in my motherhood because I knew if I broke this and if I gave into this, I was sunk, right? Because now they knew, wait, I thought this was a non-negotiable. Hmm. We can get away with other things too. And so I said, can I bring a movie to you? Can I bring something to you? Stick them out in the backyard. I can be there in 15, 20 minutes. I'll be there. And she said, okay, Jill, if you think it's that important. And I said, Diane, this is life or death. I know you don't understand. But that's the critical nature of having one or two non-negotiables. That boundary had been set in place, but there wasn't a wall. I didn't create a wall between my children, which is what happens with all things negotiable or nothing that is negotiable. Does that make sense? Yes, total. And it's a great example. And I'm so proud of your boys. Oh, man, they weren't perfect. Heavens to be, but you know, we won't talk about all that stuff today. <laughs> well, I wish we had more time, but again, we keep this try to keep it to 15 minutes so people can listen to it. I just want the listeners to go out and get raising respectful children in a disrespectful world. You will not be disappointed. You won't be able to put the book down and you will have earmarked it and highlighted probably almost every page as I had done. Thank you, Jill, for being on the show. Thank you, Leanne, so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And this is how we work together to raise strong Christian kids. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.